What is going on, everyone? I Forgive me for, you know, I really was excited for that game. And the Dolphins played better than I expected. I don't really – do you credit the Dolphins' defense for that kind of game? I, It's hard to say, oh, man, the Dolphins' defense played so well that they deserve credit for that. Could DJ Chark really make that much of a difference since DJ Chark is was out? Did that take things away? Because I watched a lot of that Colts versus Jags game week one. You know, I flipped through games a lot, but a big chunk of it I was watching Jonathan Taylor, who I was excited to see him play his first NFL game. And both teams moved the ball really well. The Jags looked incredible. Minshew looked awesome. And then he followed it up with last week. We just said I think he had 33 fantasy points in our video where he was one of the uh, Knicks better players. I don't know. You know, they just came out. They were the home team, so you would have thought they would have played better. And they just didn't get it done. They did not. And I know with Chark out, that could change up things, but I can't see it changing up that much. Some of Minshew's decisions, you know, I'm watching the game and I'm seeing guys where he could let it rip and he doesn't. Some of the plays for both teams got messed up with flags where, you know, you see the pass interference. You, you had Gusecki who would have had a touchdown in the end zone, his second one of the game, and he got held. You saw, uh, who else was it, in the end zone for the Jags? Was it Conley? He might have had a touchdown. Could have been Conley or Cole. He got held. There was pass interference. And then, you know, you get these one-yard touchdown runs, which is – it was great for Jacob and Robinson. But no one was playing uh, Howard. No one was playing anyone on Miami. And it was just killing fantasy, and it was very boring. Uh, it was great. If you're a Dolphins fan, it was a great game. You came away with everything. You pl- I mean, the Dolphins have played well enough to win the first two weeks. Just couldn't get it done, and they really – Really put the butt hurt on Jacksonville tonight. But I was more shocked that maybe the play calls, the offense never really looked like it got anything going. They didn't look anything like the team I saw uh, against Tennessee or against Indianapolis. So big win for the Dolphins. Big, big win for Jacob. As we will start with Jacob's game tonight, Jacob and Austin. Austin, I saw what you put in the group text. I apologize. Um, hopefully your phone was able to make it through the rest of the day until you got home. And you were able to see what the heck was going on. Meantime, we will start off with the – what else was big? Did anything else big look – I mean, we can go through the teams. For for me, I had Gusecki. You know, it drives me nuts when you have that. Gusecki week one, what did he have? Six points. And, and I have Goddard on my bench go for 30. So then I go, all right, you know what? Gusecki did not – he did not get very many targets. He only had five that first game. And I'm like, you know what, maybe it's not there. Maybe the, until Tua comes in, I'm not going to hold on to him. Go with Goddard. You know, Wentz, obviously trust him. I play Goddard, and he goes off and has like a seven-point game. And Gusecki gets a 33-point game. That's enough to make you go nuts. So now I have to use a waiver wire to pick him up because I know Christian's going to grab him. And honestly, I have no regrets playing him because this matchup was too good. I don't know how he, Goddard's going to do against Cincinnati, but if he goes for 30, so be it. I don't have a regret because this was not one of those, oh, I'm desperate or I just want to have a guy in prime time, so I'm going to play him. This was a good matchup. If if you paid attention, week one, the Colts went to uh, some they, – they went to the Titans several times against Jacksonville. And last week, the Titans really went to uh, Jonah Smith. And so you're like, this is a really good matchup for any tight end against Jacksonville. And honestly, Fitzmagic just didn't look to him. I, he only targeted him three times tonight. 
he had almost uh, had that, like I said, that second touchdown, which would have been huge, but he didn't get it. But until that first touchdown or that only touchdown right before halftime, he didn't throw to him once. It was almost like he that wasn't in the game plan. Maybe they thought Jacksonville was expecting that. But, you know, he comes away. I'll take it. If your only catch is a touchdown, I'll take it. So I had that in that matchup. Then you also want to look at who else had a guy in tonight's fight before we get into their game. Great play. You know, I had mentioned, I'm sure Jacob listened, and he's probably like, well, unless you make me a great offer, I'm not trading Robinson. But I did mention that, you know, wouldn't be shocked if I did make a, a, an offer for Robinson yesterday uh, or even this not, – not this morning because I wouldn't be able to play him in time. But, you know, I talked about maybe making an offer for him. Robinson, you know, he, he had a really good game week two at Tennessee. Did I expect him to do this well? No. 31 points, great game. Jacob, great move. As, as we were kind of going skimming through it last night, I don't remember you having him in. I thought it might have been McKinnon, you know, who's going to be a good – I think McKinnon's going to be a great matchup as well against the Giants. And Connor, I mean, it's hard. You look at him and you're, you have to go down to all your running backs and go, well, who has a good matchup? They all did. I would have played Robinson had I had him. Maybe – over Keenan Allen? I don't know. For me on my team, if like if I had made a play for him, I don't know if I would have played Robinson tonight over Keenan Allen having Justin Herbert, but afterwards I would have been kicking myself because Robinson had a great game. But I think with Jacob, he had Connor, who I think has a good matchup. McKinnon is going to get a lot of work, but you have to wonder, are is he going to get a lot of good open looks seeing how they have their backup in? It's not the rest of the Niners' normal offense. So with so many injuries, is McKinnon going to be as big a factor as he normally would had it be Jimmy G and, every, and Kittle and everyone else in there? What is that noise? keep hearing noises. So anyways, back to the game. So I thought, and then also he has Montgomery who had a great game last week. So right now, if you look at Jacob's team, you look at it and you go, Hmm, he's got some really good depth at running back and he made the right choice because I don't see Montgomery. They can all top him. I doubt it very much, but he made the excellent play right there to start Robinson tonight. And he had 31 points out to a great start against Austin Mario and his ladies and Edelman. He played Chris Thompson not bad, eight points. You know, you would like to see a little more. Thompson did get a little work in. As Jacob had mentioned in our group text, you know, you would have liked to have seen Robinson. He's showing he can catch. Why don't you leave him in? I guess they got to give him breathers here and there, and that is part of the offense. Is That's the whole reason they have Thompson. They did sign him away. Did they trade for him? I thought they signed him away from Washington. Either way, they did uh, – yeah, I believe they signed him. They did have him for a reason. He's got to get some usage out of him. So um, not bad. Not what not what Mario was looking for, but I'm sure Matt will definitely take. Buda said eight points. I'd take it from anyone starting running back. You'll take it eight points. And then finally we got Nick Thielen U with 21 points. If you look at just the points, you go all right, 21 and Elijah 11. But if you look at the players, Devontae Parker 11. I'll take that. Remember Parker last year, the second half of the year when Elijah made his hot run, he was getting 20 plus points a game. You'll take 11, and he did get targeted five times, and he got all five catches. No touchdowns, so I'm sure Nick's uh, cool with that. But Chanel, LaVisca Chanel, you know, he was targeted six times, but he only had five catches, but the yardage just wasn't there. I don't think they were using him properly. He did get a touchdown, I think. Was it back-to-back weeks? Did he get touchdowns the first two weeks? I think he did. No, he had a touchdown week one, but this was his lowest-scoring game of the season. Of course, Nick decides – 
to make a gamble. You know, it's one of those fun things when you go, hey, what have I got to lose? But the biggest disappointment is Minshew. That's something where you look at it and you go, dude, this is a good matchup. At home, short week, 0-2 Dolphins coming in. And I, I really thought he was going to go for 30. And he didn't. He really let Nick down. He really let the Jacksonville Jaguars down. And tough break right there for Nick. Now, looking at the points, Elijah is only favored by 10 points. So Nick can easily make that up. But he's going to have to have Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones cannot come out with a 12-point game against the 49ers, who are missing several injured players. So we'll have to see how that goes. Nick never responded in the group text about listening. So I'm not even going to really cover their game uh, because he never said, yeah, Danny, uh, cover my game. So he doesn't really get into the uh, podcast, I believe. Just a quick glance. You look at Elijah, DJ Moore, Deshaun Jackson, Zach Ertz, Andrews. I'd take Andrews. I'd take DJ Moore. I'd take Robbie Anderson over Chanel, regardless of tonight's performance. I'll take Thielen over Parker. Although with the Vikings offense, I don't know what to expect. They scare me because after week one, when he had 40 points, and the next week I think he came back with six. Yeah, six points. They, oh my gosh, against the Colts, they were terrible. They couldn't get anything going. We'll see. If if Thielen doesn't outscore Parker, it's going to be a very tough week for Nick. You know, Both of them are 0-2 looking for their first win to try to turn it around. David Johnson, I'm definitely taking Edward Solaire and Mixon against Drake. Drake has the better matchup, but if I could be an owner, I'd rather own Mixon. But with the matchup this week, I don't know. Kyler Murray, man, he's running like crazy. He's taking a lot of rushing yards and touchdowns away. And you still got Chase Edmonds, who is a factor at times. I don't know if I'm going to say, yeah, Drake hasn't even broken 15 points. Not that, excuse me, not that Mixon has, but I'm taking Mixon. I take Mixon this week, and I'm definitely taking Josh Allen. If Elijah wins, it will be on the back of Josh Allen. That is all with that. And the reason we talked about that is not because we're covering their game. It was because they both had players who played tonight. So now let's get to our matchups. And the first one being Steve and Eric. Psych. I'm just kidding. It's it's obviously Austin and Jacob. Jacob coming out with a big, you know, percentage-wise last night. Remember, was it uh, how many points? I'm not going to go back. I can't remember. I want to say, let's see. What was he, he – I can't remember what he was projected. Oh, 10 points. I know he was projected to get 13. So almost 20 points more. So knock off 20 points. And this was projected to be a 197 to 184 game, somewhere around that. So Jacob had like a 12 to 13 point advantage projection-wise. And now it looks like it's a lot worse. Now he's got a 217 to 184. We know how that goes. I've been projected to score 200 points the first two weeks, and I haven't even broken 180 yet. So – Projections are just what they are, projections, but they don't mean jack crap. It just makes you feel better when you see that big bar all in green and you feel like you, you got a better chance to win. But we've seen it flipped, and let's get on to this game. Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, uh, how do you go against the league MVP? The only way I would go against Mahomes this week is because the matchup is just too good. Kyler Murray, the first two weeks, has been um, – What is he averaging? He's averaging 34 points a game, basically. And he had a tough 49er team while Mahomes is averaging about 27 points a game. So a little bit, uh, you know, about six or seven points less. So I'm going to go with Murray just in the fact that he's got the home court. He's got a, a worse team and a great matchup. Uh, the only issue is if can Detroit score enough. This is what we talk about every time is can the other opposing team score. If the other team can't score, 
Hi, Luna. My cat Luna's here. There you go, Jacob. My cats always like to get involved, and I have to keep throwing food to Vader. She likes to fetch the food like a dog and go all over the kitchen looking for it. So anyways, back to this. Can Detroit keep up? If Kyler Murray and, and the Cardinals take a 27-7 to lead or 21-3 lead at halftime, you'll see Kyler Murray definitely slow down. They'll drop it down a gear. Not that they're going to pull back and, and play prevent, but offensive-wise, they might. you might see a bigger game for Drake or Chase Edmonds. Uh, while Patrick Mahomes, I cannot see. He, although last year in Kansas City in that matchup, you know, it was the 10 o'clock game, I believe. could have been the 1 o'clock. Uh, Lamar Jackson had a decent game, but that was he got some garbage time points as the Chiefs had a huge lead, and then Baltimore started making a comeback on the back of Ingram, not Lamar Jackson. So if Mahomes, I think this year he's going to have to compete and go back and forth with Lamar. Last week, he got some points late to get it going. But remember, the first quarter, almost first half, the Chiefs didn't really get much of anything going. And it looked like, uh, uh-oh, it was going to be a dud for Mahomes. And it wasn't. They turned it around. So I think Mahomes has a better chance to have a higher scoring game. If you sat there and said one of these quarterbacks is reaching 50 points, I would put all my money on Mahomes. Looking at it right now, and you didn't tell me anything, I would say I think Kyler Murray's going to outscore him. And that's a huge start when it comes to that because Jacob already has a big start. Running backs, no need to waste time. You have the best running back in fantasy after two weeks, Alvin Kamara. And you just got Robinson with 31. Case closed. Jacob is winning this running back battle. I don't care what Fournette does. I don't care if Atlanta gets a league and, and Montgomery is not going to get relied on as much and they have to go to Cohen to catch up with the screen game. Cohen can get a 15-point game. Uh, Fournette, it's going to be tough at Denver. I don't see him going for 35 points, although he did against Pittsburgh. I mean, in the past he has. He's had great defenses and he showed up out of nowhere, but that was in Jacksonville. He didn't have Tom Brady either. He had Blake Bortles. You know, what does that tell you? So with that, yeah, hands down, this is Jacobs right there. And Austin is really reeling because his strongest weapon is out with his Christian McCaffrey. So right now it is 3-0. But still, Mahomes can, like I said, can still go drop 50 and make up for any kind of difference that the other players have. Wide receivers, you got T.Y. Hilton and Michael Gallup. T.Y. Hilton and Gallup, they are, they are really good on a team that has Patrick Mahomes and Christian McCaffrey and last year, James Conner and, you know, who else you might've drafted. Let's say it's Keenan Allen in your flex or something like that. Michael Gallup and T.Y. Hilton are very serviceable and can still lead Austin to a championship like he did last year. T.Y. Hilton and Michael Gallup on a team that has Tariq Cohen, Leonard Fournette on a new team, we don't even know what his role is full-time. If he doesn't break a big run last week, he doesn't have a big day. And Anthony Miller as your flex, those guys cannot lead you to a championship. Could they lead him to a victory this week? Yes. And the fact that Michael Gallup continues to be losing targets thanks to C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper still being Amari Cooper. He hasn't had more than five targets both games. So eventually, I think the way the offense works with Dallas is – Defenses are going to say, oh, man, CeeDee Lamb had a really good game. How do we help take him out? How do we try to get Amari Cooper out? Will Amari Cooper take himself out? Whatever the case may be. And so Michael Gallup could be the forgotten man and could have a really big game. We've seen teams do that. Atlanta's done that. You know, the any team with three receivers can really spread it out at times. And all can have good games or you can have one great game and two okay games. 
So Gallup's capable of that. T.Y. Hilton should have big games. He dropped a big 40-plus yard touchdown last week. And I'm not talking just like, oh, it was just out of his reach. It was in his breadbasket falling down, and he missed it. Here you go, sweetie. So that being said, Odell Beckham, who had a great game last week, I really wish – and I'm saying this because I have him in, in my other league, and I did play him like last week like Jacob did, is Odell Beckham, I really wish he'd get traded. I really, really wish he'd get traded to, to Green Bay. I wish he would get traded um, – Jeez, where could he go? That would really just be excellent in that offense, you know, with Brett Favre. Oh, can you imagine him going to Kansas City? Can you imagine him going to Baltimore? I know they already have targets, weapons there, but that would just, you know, whatever. Anyways, we can imagine. Go to Miami with Parker on one side and then Beckham on the other side to a team like that where you know two is coming up. Something like that. I would love to see that, you know, because when he was the main star, he was so great. And in Cleveland – it's just they're brown. They're browns for crying out loud. They, and I feel like I'm watching a pile of brown stuff on the field at times. You know, it's I get exci- I got excited watching him play last week, but it's so few and far in between. We saw that last year. You know, he had the big game on the Thursday night or the Monday night game against the Jets, and and then all of a sudden nothing, nothing. And so I don't know what to expect. But Beckham and Robinson, hands down, are better than Hilton and Gallup. If you said right now, looking at these matchups and looking at these teams, I am taking Beckham against Washington and Allen Robinson definitely taking Robinson at Atlanta to where I think the Bears are going to be trailing. And I think Allen Robinson will have a big monster game, bigger than all four receivers. So, yeah, Jacob is really, really winning this matchup right now. And based on this, you know. The Allen Rob or not the Allen Rob he the Robinson Robinson and Robinson combo can really kill him because Robinson has such a good matchup and he's due for a breakout game not breaking 15 points yet he's gonna have to get more targets I don't think they're gonna rely on Montgomery a lot so so like I was saying with that with that Robinson combo I just oh man it's so much advantage for Jacob and matchups do come down to it you know there are times where the better team does not win that week the better matchups do you know or the surprise guy comes out of nowhere let's get to tight ends Noah Fant has been great and I think he's been on Jacob's I, let me check Jacob's bench I could be wrong who's other tight end Hunter Henry yeah I think he played Hunter Henry the first two games and Fant has had really good games 19 points oh no he played Fant week one I think because the Monday night game but he didn't play him last week in 17 points against Pittsburgh he's been a really good tight end he's number two or number four in PPR uh, overall, Fant. So, yeah, he's got him out there. Jared Cook has not been what what the Saints or what fantasy owners hoped he had been yet. I think with Michael Thomas out, you would have thought he would get – he only had five targets last week, former Raider. So you got a revenge game on the mind. You got missing Michael Thomas. So I really thought that he was going to have a bigger game last week, and he did not. Now, could he have a bigger game this week? I think so. At home, the returning home in against Green Bay, where it's going to be most likely a shootout. Although who knows after tonight's game or last night's game, the Jags and Dolphins. You know, sometimes I we all see them. You get that feeling. You know, I felt the Raiders would beat the Saints that I talked about last week, and they did. And the game was exactly how I expected it to be. Uh, I didn't expect the Saints to get out to a seventeen to seven lead. I thought it would be back and forth, and then the Raiders would be on top at the end. But tonight, I thought Jacksonville was going to win it, you know, 31-27. I thought it was going to be a, another back and forth. 
and because that's how their first two games have been, and it was all, way off. So who knows? But based on the performances and the history of the two teams, I think Cook can have a better game than Fant this week. So finally, it looks like Austin, and he if he does have a better game than than Noah Fant, it's got to be. 35 or 30 to fans nine or something like that because think about it as we go up and down all this this matchup it all comes down to if robinson gets 31 you know for jacob his running back from the jags fournette or cohen's gonna have to have it some kind of 25 point game to equal or balance that if camara goes out and does what he's done and let's just say his average between two games is what uh 29 something like that if he, let's say he goes out and gets 30 points, that's 61 points from his running backs. Fournette and Cohen cannot combine for 15. Because what are you going to say? Kyler Murray's going to have a, I mean, we're going through this list, and barring injuries, who's going to have a bad game? Beckham, what's, what's his worst game this year? Five points. Okay, so he's going to need Beckham to have another five-point game against Washington. But then Cohen and Fournette need to have a big game. If neither of them, then it's going to have to be Hilton or Gallup. It's just looking at this matchup, it's so tough for me to see Austin winning unless Jamal Adams comes back to earth a little and Darius Leonard goes back to what he was, where there were times he would get 50-point games. You know, we saw that last week when, for my team against uh, Brian, or I'm sorry, Austin, 54 points for Dak Prescott. You need something like that. That's what Austin's going to need. He's going to need something with a combo where, you know, maybe Miller in his flex, maybe Anthony Miller has a better game then Allen Robinson. Maybe Robinson goes for 12 and Anthony Miller goes for 30. That's a big swing. You need something like that because going at position by position and Jacob winning all of them, that doesn't that doesn't bode well for uh, Austin. This is and this is just what I would rather have if, if I look at these teams. Remember, like I said, I am not an expert. I never pretend to be an expert. I'm just talking to you guys like friends on what I see. When I see this, you know, when I put my team together, what we're talking about here is how I look at my team. If I sit there and go, okay, this running back, look at this matchup. I really like this. Oh, this guy in the waiver wire. Um, I didn't get anyone on the waiver wire except for Gusecki. I did put in for a couple guys, but I had them uh, lower, you know, because I was like, um, am I really going to play them? You know, remember I ta- I almost didn't even take Gusecki. I almost said, you know what? He's But the matchup against the Jags was so good. You know, it was so good. So I'm like, not that I'm going to play him, but I'm like, you know what? I'll use the waiver wire. I'll use my waiver pick and try to get Kaseki if I get him. I got a great matchup this week. But honestly, I'll probably go to Goddard the next three or four games, depending on how he does against Cincinnati. But you look at things like that, and I'm just telling you how I look at it. And I know Jacob. I've talked with Jacob. I've talked with Brian. I've talked with Eric. All of us where we talk about different matchups and what we expect and what we see. And then it just we put it our team together and hope that uh, we made the right decisions. And that's all I'm doing. You know, I'm not, I'm not on here trying to think that I know what I'm talking about with all this. Um, I just call it like we all experience it by watching football. But looking at this, Cousins, Herbert, Herbert has uh, played so well last week. Now there is a, it, it's difficult when your Chiefs go, wait a minute, we're expecting uh, the librarian. That should be Tyrod Taylor's nickname. You know, you got Jake the Snake, you know, Plumber back in the day. And then you got, uh, what's some other nicknames? Man, why am I drawing a, a blank? You know, there's a hundred nicknames for guys, and anyways, and Tyrod Taylor should be the librarian. He is so boring and so shh, don't talk loud inside here. You know, so by the rules that there's no excitement with Tyrod. And yes, he can keep his team in games, 
But with Herbert, he actually came out and looked really awesome last week. You know, it was he played really well. And so is Herbert going to do the same thing? Do they have now they have game footage on him? Are they going to watch it and see like he did in the first quarter? Miss open guys at times. Uh, miss he did some bad plays, but with fantasy he looked great. But for the game, I thought he looked great as well, but still made some bad choices and missed um, targets. And that's what he had at college. You know, he'd have a big game and then he the next game he could go miss some wide open guys and was just inconsistent at times. So Herbert can go out and put up another 30-point game, or he can go out and put up a 14-point game, and maybe it's a big Austin Eckler week or whatever the case may be, and Cousins. Looking at it, Cousins at home against Tennessee or Herbert at home against Carolina, I'm taking Herbert. Anthony Miller and Connor. Man, Connor, he was hurt week one, so you don't want to hold that against him. He was great last week against Denver. I think he could do just as great again against Houston. Anthony Miller is a wild card. I know we look at it and go, okay, you know what, man, look at 17 points week one. Week two, he only played 30% of the game, didn't get heavily involved. It was a lot of Montgomery, a lot of um, ball control, and he only had three targets. So you look at that, and that's nothing to get excited about. But with Anthony Miller, he could. We know what he's capable of, and that's what Austin's going to need. So going down position by position, because this is a really big game. This is one of those ones where Austin can – Try to right the ship still early on. You can go to 3-0. I'm a broken record. I don't care. You can go to 3-0. Your chances to win the division do drastically hurt because now you are 0-3 in division play. And let's say you get in a big run. Let's say Austin wins out of division. He wins the next six games in a row. And Jacob wins five out of his six. So then Jacob's looking at an 8-1 record and Austin's at 6-3. and And you go, hey, man, we're going back into division play coming up soon. This is going to be big. Well, there's only – remember at the end, it's not three again. It's only two. We're shortening our division record by one this year. So now Austin's already going to have a losing record if he goes to 0-3 here in division play. Well, Jacob will already clinch a 3-0 division play. So he will have a better division record if they rematch. And they won't rematch. This is their only meeting this year. So for these two, remember – oh, man, not everyone listens to the podcast, but I got to try to make that clear – somehow in a, in a group text or on the fantasy app or whatever. But if it comes to the tiebreakers, it's always this. If you play each other twice, it's who won the two matchups. Anyone who went up 2-0, they're the, the, the tiebreakers right there. If they split, you go division record. Okay. Now, with this... We can no longer have three and three, you know, so we don't have to worry about that tiebreaker. Someone will be two and three. Now they c- you could have two, both teams be two and three. So uh, from there, we always go points scored. It mo- that's easy to decide. But with Austin, remember, I'm playing Brian this week and Austin's playing Jacob. So anyone you play this week for division play, this will not count. So at the end of the thing, if Austin wins, loses this, he cannot tie Jacob. He can only pass him with a better record. He cannot finish tie, you know, both be nine and uh, four and say, oh, well, who uh, who had the better division record? Obviously, Jacob already has it. He was he won three games and lost the last two. He's three and two. While Austin would be two and three. That's the best he can be. And so that's what it would come down to because you only play one time. And like Austin just had Christian McCaffrey go out. I'm one as a commissioner who does not feel it's fair to go. You played one time. So the tiebreaker will be the one time you play each other. Um, yeah, what if I play Eric week uh, five and he has two injuries and two bye weeks and then we're both battling late in the season for that last wild card spot and I go, hey, I beat Eric week five. 
And he goes, yeah, dude, I was missing two starters and I had two guys on a bye. You know, that's not fair to him. It's not fair to anyone else that it would happen to. So we fixed this a long time ago where I made it. The one-on-one matchups always come down to, at the end of the season, the most points scored. And since then, and that happened to Jacob where he kind of got screwed and uh, didn't make the playoffs even though he had more points scored. The other guy had a better division record. And that's how the old style was because we had two five-division teams. Or, yeah, five, uh, two-division, yes, five teams. And after that, I was like, you know what? Throughout the season, Jacob's team felt like the better team. We're going to fix that. And the only time it comes to division or tiebreakers like that is based on who wins the division. So Jacob wins this. He is basically eliminating Austin from any division contention if it's at the end of the season we're close where it could be a tie. This is going to put pressure on Austin to have to win more games than Jacob, more games than myself, more game than Brian because Brian right now is one and one and I am one and one. So we can both be one and two and still win our last two division games to get to three and two and still try to get up, keep up there with Jacob who would be three and oh at, the, at this time. So I hope everyone understands that. Based on the, everything we went through, Jacob clearly has the better advantages and the better players for this week. You know, if Kamara was going on the road at Pittsburgh and Drew Brees was, well, Drew Brees doesn't even scare me anymore, but if Kamara was on the road at Pittsburgh, if Fournette was, you know, at Jacksonville or something and it's a revenge game, I would totally take Fournette and say, I think he's going to have a better game, blah, blah, blah. So you get the point that this really looks like it's a big week for Jacob to go to 3-0. And I do not, and I repeat, I do not want to hear I am some kiss of death because I have called games correct and I have called games incorrect with projections and predictions and all that stuff. Like I said, I'm not saying Jacob's winning. I'm just saying the app says he's winning. Common sense for fantasy perspective says he's winning. We don't know what injuries could pop up. We don't know what, you know, if, if the one team gets a big lead, maybe if the Saints... Green Bay plays terrible. It could be a big Latavius Murray game. So anyways, with all that disclaimer nonsense out of the way, let's get back to it. And the only other matchup left. Oh, wait, did we talk about myself and Brian? Who did we cover? Oh, we're not going to do Nick. Who did we do yesterday? We did Matt, Mario, Christian, and Dino Dan. That is one of my favorite games. I am so excited for that. And then Lights Come And then today was going to be Steve. Oh, yeah, we pushed it back since we're not doing Nick. Let's get right now to our next game. Steve against Eric, the two guys with the 49er symbols and emblems in their team name. Right now, it is projected a 179 to 155 win for Steve, who is 2-0, and Eric is 0-2. If any time, Eric, you can pull out a big victory, this is the week. Because the last thing I want as another guy outside of this division is to have a 3-0 Steve team, a 3-0 Jacob team, and 100% either 3-0 Dino or 3-0 Kruger. Christian, one of those, I, we don't need all these undefeated teams. We need to pull some of these teams back in the pack. You need to get back in division contention, and this is a perfect opportunity to do it. Cam Newton at home against Vegas. I don't know what to expect. The Raiders have looked great the first two weeks, but it's still Bill Belichick. Aaron Rodgers on the road at New Orleans. I am liking Aaron Rodgers more this week. Before you go after me and everyone go nuts, Cam Newton had a solid game his first game. He's getting his legs wet, 27 points. Then he had a great game. I don't see 
the Raiders scoring as much as back and forth with Seattle. Have you seen any Raider games last year? I did. Any games that they won, they were very slow. Gruden did what he can to keep the offense with their long drives. We saw the stats on the Monday night games. They showed that the Raiders' drives, they take, I think they were the number one or two longest drives and the most plays, and that's part of Gruden's strategy. Keep a average defense off the field. Keep a better offense on the opposite side of you off the field, and it works. The Raiders have it worked at times, but this is the same Raider team that went to the New York Jets and lost, You know, which really hurt their momentum for a playoff opportunity last year. They sometimes just didn't get off the bus. So I'm hoping that the Raiders don't fall into that trap. That being said, I think Cam, I think Cam's due for a few uh, bumps and bruises from the silver and black defense. I think they will get after him, and it's going to be on Cam's arm this week to try to beat the Raiders. I don't know. Maybe they'll even get a big lead, and it might be a big handoff game for Sonny Michel. I just don't see the Raiders going and scoring 34 points again. I see them scoring maybe 17, 20, trying to keep the score low. And kind of like week one, New England with the Dolphins matching, and it could be a low, slow-paced game. Aaron Rodgers, I can't see that happening with the Packers and the Saints. I think both teams are going to do what they can to score, to try to outduel the other team. I will take Rodgers this week. Getting to the running backs, we saw Freeman, newly acquired Freeman, he was one I was like, do I want to get him? I did want Freeman. I wanted Gusecki more because I needed a tight end more and had a great matchup. I, I, with, you know, I, I don't know. I thought someone else tried to get Freeman. I could be wrong. But I think that was a great move. And for Eric to get Freeman at, I think he was number 9 or 10 in the waiver wire, was an incredible, incredible pull. Because Freeman from, if you listen to Matthew Berry on ESPN, uh, he was talking about, like, out of all the guys, if once Freeman signed with the Giants, he said he would be his number waiver wire. Number one, because the mere fact that we know Christian McCaffrey's coming back. We know Mostart is coming back. We know Barkley is not coming back. And Deion Lewis, as good as he has been in the past, I don't think he is what he used to be. Freeman is not as well. And the Giants' offensive line is terrible. But they're going to be losing a lot, and Freeman can catch the ball. Can Eric strike lightning again with Freeman, who he had, you know, Freeman's breakout year uh, and played outstanding for Eric? Can Freeman go out and get him 15 points a game? Yes, I think he can. And they're taking on San Francisco, and I think it's going to be more screen passes than anything or a back-and-forth game with so many injuries in San Francisco. Eckler is my favorite of these four running backs. Carlson, I don't – or Carson, for some reason, I always just feel like He's just, man, he's just, I don't love him. He's not someone I would ever plan on drafting or trading for, but he's just so good at getting getting things done. He's so consistent. Uh, only six carries week one, but he had six catches and two touchdowns. Week two, 72 yards rushing, and he had another receiving touchdown. So they're at home against, or yeah, they're at home against Dallas. He's going to be heavily involved there. So I expect Carson to have a big game. You're hoping Freeman can get Eric 10 to 15 and Gibson, man, he's got to, Gibson's got to be, he doubled his points from week one to two. So naturally he's going to double his points from week two to three, right? So expect a 24 point game from Gibson. Now, honest, obviously I'm joking, but that being said, Antonio Gibson is a, a, a jackknife or not a jackknife. What an idiot. He is a MacGyver Swiss army knife. 
and he can catch, he can run, he can get it out of the backfield, he can do punts, he can be in the slot, he can line up, and that's what he did in college. And they were talking about how he could be like a, a next-generation Christian McCaffrey. I don't think he's going to be that, maybe a poor man's version. So I think Eric has a really good weapon here, and I think we'll see it week to week. I'm thinking by week six at the Giants, week seven at home against Dallas, we are going to see a guy who's going to go for 15 to 30, any kind of range like that, and he will be a great player for Eric, and he can keep him next year and longer if he'd like. But that being said, he needs to have a big game from him. You know, the Redskins offense doesn't have much. McLaurin and then on the running back side, Gibson. So we'll see. Eckler and Carson, easily favorites for here. So running backs, got to go to Steve for this. But just like Austin, Eric really needs to just get double digits from both running backs and then try with the receivers. Julio Jones is questionable, which is disappointing because uh, that would have been really fun to see. Their, their offense is doing so well. If Julio Jones does not play, sign me up for Juju You know, against Houston. I think he's going to have a really big game. We have to see who are on the benches. CeeDee Lamb, I really like CeeDee Lamb, but he is one of those, like I said, it's a three-headed dragon. Which head or which two heads will come out and perform? That's what she said. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyways. Um, and then Eric's got Miko Hardman. Does Eric trust him again? You know, he played in week one and punched himself in the face. And then week two, he had a better game at Baltimore. Is he going to be heavily involved? Because Sammy Watkins might be out. Now, I'm not going to say what I would do. And I'm not going to say nothing because I don't want my judgment to influence anyone. I just call how I see it. If Watkins does not play because he is hurt, Eric holding him till Monday night will have no other choice but to pop in Miko Hardman. And I think that is might be a blessing in disguise because with Watkins there, you, you don't really want to rush out and go, I'd rather play Watkins like Eric is. But you don't want to go, hmm, Watkins, Hardman, uh, Hill, all the weapons they have, CEH. But if you go, hmm, Watkins is gone, now I would rather have Miko Hardman. If Hardman was gone, I'd rather have Watkins. You'd rather have one of them out. And fortunate for Eric, I didn't know if Eric had dropped him. I was actually looking to pick up Hardman on the waiver wire, and I saw Eric still had him. Very smartly, Eric, to keep him. Because I, I think he could be due. I, I, you might even hope for Watkins to just miss the game. But you have a backup if he does. If Watkins doesn't play. And I think this is a perfect play for you because Juju and Hardman, if Watkins is out, have potential to outscore Metcalf, and don't call me crazy, but Metcalf and Julio Jones. I would not be shocked if that happens. So that could be one advantage. So far, I think he's got the quarterback advantage, although Newton could still go off for 30, so I'm not going to bury Newton. But Rodgers has the potential to go for 40. If Newton goes for 20, that's a big 20-point swing because Eckler and Carson are going to have good games, and you're going to have to have something for Gibson. Maybe he will double his points. I have no clue. You're hoping for it. Um, or he might go out and get you eight like he's projected, which would really be a kick in the butt. But different kind of butt. Juju Smith-Schuster and maybe Hardman, if Watkins is out, I think can outperform if Julio plays 50% and not full factor, and they might not need him and DK Metcalf. So that is one chance for Eric to make up some ground. Jimmy Graham, Jordan Reed, easily I am taking Jordan Reed here, regardless of what the matchup is, just in the fact that now you take Jimmy G out, which I wish was still there because he loves the tight end and he, he had great chemistry with Reed. But 
there's nothing else there. You got McKinnon, you got Reed. Ayuk might play. I don't think he did much last week, but I love Eric getting Reed. Let's hope, please, that Reed can at least get 12 to 15 points. We don't need Reed to go out and get three. That's the kind of luck Eric has at times. Jimmy Graham, like I said, good matchup. He can get back to like he had week one where he had 11 points. He can go off for 15 points. We don't know. But the Bears, I don't know what to expect. If they fall behind, expect a better game from Graham. And maybe that's why Jacob benched Montgomery. Landry and Sanu. I want to go Landry. I think he's healthier. Sanu, like I said, the Niners, they look at him. They don't have a lot of their weapons. Debo, I don't think Debo's coming back. He's Yeah, he's, he's on the IR, so he's not even eligible left. So when you look at it, what did Sanu do last week? When he played, did he even play? Yeah, 20%. He, he didn't get anything. So you hope that maybe, you know what, Ayuk and Sanu can really go off and had solid games. I don't know. That's a, that both. And then Landry. Landry's not a bad play, but he hasn't had anything really yet. Cleveland, I don't know what to, to expect with the Browns. Chubb can have a monster game. Uh, well, I can tell you one thing I expect Austin Hooper to do nothing. You know, I, I noticed Austin Hooper's on Eric's lineup, and he wouldn't be in mine as well. I would, you know, he is up for trade. We know Hooper's got the talent, and I've already covered it twice. Why the heck do you pay money for a guy you're not going to use? That is the stupidest thing. That is a Cleveland Brown type of thing to invest money in a player that is high quality receiving and skill and talent. We've seen it. When you got him, you're like, oh, we are definitely using this guy. And then the guy gets two targets and two catches. That is so Cleveland Brown that is beyond stupid and yeah I, I i if i if i'm a browns fan which i would never be even if i moved to that crap hole i would never be a browns fan i am i would not i don't understand it you know this is why they are where they are every year as uh mel kuyper said this is why the colts are picking number two every year and not playing for super bowls and then you got to look that up if you've never seen that the mel kuyper and the guy's all you know this guy mel kuyper who in the hell is Mel Kuyper? <laughs> Every time I watch that on YouTube, look up who in the hell is Mel Kuyper on YouTube, and you'll see that story. Uh, and I was it the '94, '96 draft. Dang it, what draft was it? I think it could have been with Kajana Carter, or it could have been with. It was with Trent Dilfer. I know that. I know that, and I think that was the same draft with Kajana Carter. But man, that was wild, dude. That was so wild. And when he says that, and I, I love that. Napoleon from the Colts. He's the GM. You got to look that up. That, that It's a fun little story because, you know, I like Mel Kuyper, but honestly, he did come from, he didn't really have, he might as well be someone like me just doing, you know, his own thing. And then all of a sudden he becomes Mr. Draft Expert and everyone listens to him. But the NFL GMs are like, you know, we respect to hear him. We'll look at his book if you give it to us for free. But who the heck is he in the end of the day? He's never played. He's never. And then Pullman's like, he said, my mailman, you know, knows about as much as Mel Kuyper does when it comes to football. Uh, he has some classic lines. And like I said, it's so good. Who in the who in the hell is Mel Kuyper? So how did I even get on that? You know, sometimes I just go on these things where I started laughing. Oh, it's because it was about the Browns with Austin Hooper. What a waste. Anyways, let's get back to this. Miles Sanders, Tannehill. I'm taking Tannehill. And the mere fact that it's a quarterback. And Tannehill, it's easier for QB. 22 points in, on, a, on an average game. And 29 points on a really good game. Miles Sanders, in two games, he had didn't play week one, 24 points last week. And that was a really good game for him. So 
He's got to do that again just to equal up to Tannehill. This could be one against Cincinnati where I do expect Sanders to go for 15 to 25, somewhere in that range. But if it's closer to the 15 and Tannehill goes out for another 25 to 30-point game, those are the grounds that Eric needs to make up for this. Defenses, I'm taking the Niners over the Chiefs just in the mere fact of matchups, definitely with matchups. And Martinez, I'm taking Martinez because the Giants are on the field all the time. So Blake Martinez is going to be out there, always happen to make plays and tackles. And the Niners are a big, run-heavy, and tight-end-heavy team. And those are the strategies you look for. You either pick a player you love. You know, that's what I do sometimes, and it backfires. You pick a player you really like, and you go, oh, my gosh, the guy did nothing for me. You know, I had fun watching him play, but he did crap for me. Or you go for strategy. Or you go for a, just a great player. Darius Leonard, you are just getting him and you're holding him no matter how good of a game or bad of a game he has. But with Martinez, he's there. That's a great. He's a great player and he's on a great team for tackles because the Giants play a lot of Ezekiel Elliott. They play a lot of Miles Sanders. They play a lot of teams that will outscore them. So they're going to be on the field a lot for the linebackers. So I think uh, I'm going to have to take the advantage there. Edmonds is a very solid linebacker. He is playing the Rams, who do like to go to the tight end as well and do run. So Edmonds can have just as strong a game as Martinez, and they are both projected to get the same if Edmonds plays based on uh, his health-wise. Both can have the exact same game, but I think in the end the Rams are the uh, – hmm, how well will the Niners be this week? Both teams are good. I think both linebackers, when you look at the matchup, I would rather have Martinez on the season, but based on matchups, both teams are – the Niners and Rams both run it and both like the tight end. So difference is you have Goff on one, so maybe that offense will move the ball better than the Niners who might not move it as much. So maybe Martinez, you know, if it was Jimmy G and every and the rest of the show, I'm, I, it might be a wash, but maybe, maybe Edmonds can outscore Martinez. But Eric's going to have to get some games where he has something like, you know, a 35, 40-point game. He hasn't had that his first two games. You know, we've all had it. Uh, almost every team on here has had a, a guy go for 40 or 45 or even two 35-point games. You know, Christian's done it back-to-back weeks with four guys or more going for 30. He's looking like, you know, like the Rockies offense back when they were first opening up the Blake Street Bombers when you got Ellis Burks, Dante Bichette, Larry Walker, um, uh, who's it? Andres Galarraga, the big cat. You had these guys who were all on the at home just crushing you know, 40, 40, 50, 40 home runs, and they were just so deadly. And that's how Christian's receivers are looking the first two weeks where he's got, you know, I'm going to call them the Kruger Street Bombers because that's what they're like. And they do go deep. They do the deep bombs. So maybe that should be your new name, Christian. I don't know. But that's how scary his team is, and that's what Eric needs. He needs something where Rodgers goes off and Gibson goes off for 20, and then Juju and Miko Hartman each have 25. Eric can win this game. Looking at the matchups, they uh, Steve had more favorable um, guys this week than Eric, but Eric is not as lopsided as Austin was against Jacob. This is a game where I could see Eric winning. He's an underdog right now by about by over 20 points, which is tough to overcome. It can be done, uh, but right now, they, Steve looks like he's going to go to 3-0, and Eric might drop to 0-3. As a uh, guy going against Steve for that wild card, possibly, I really hope Eric pulls this one out. And our final matchup, what is the time? Uh, 29 minutes added. My recording got messed up, so I got to see how how much time is on the other one. I'm going to make this quick. It's Brian. 
I don't even know if Brian listens to the podcast and my own team. I'm going to make this quick in case Brian doesn't. Actually, I don't know if Brian does. I'm not going to talk about my team if Brian even, doesn't even listen. I don't even like to talk about my team. Uh, Brady, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson. I'm just going to go based on that. That should be a no-brainer. And the matchup should be incredible. Running backs, Zeke and Swift or Taylor and Henry. As a combo, I'm taking Henry and Taylor, obviously. Uh, but as the best player, obviously, I keep saying obviously. Everyone knows, there's another way of saying it, Zeke Elliott is the best of the bunch, and he has a big one against Seattle. Now, the first two games Zeke has had at the Rams and at home against Atlanta, I wish he would have had a few more points last week as well as Brian against Atlanta. I think he should have had a 30-point game that week. But we saw Dak Prescott keep snaking those dang touchdowns on the goal line. When I had Zeke, I hated it. Now I got Dak, and I'm loving it. I'm loving it, my McDonald's song. Um, but, yeah, I think Zeke's going to continue, and he's he's RB5. I think after this week, he's going to creep into the top three. I think he'll have a really big 25- to 30-point game against Seattle. Henry, I'm really hoping he rebounds from a bad performance and can try to get me 20. Taylor will definitely outdo Swift. Taylor has a great matchup against the Jets. You want to see a bad defense, and you definitely want to see a team where you can get the lead and you own the running back. That's the key right there. Uh, Swift, I like Swift. Like I said, I have another. I have a couple other leagues I'm in, and I have Taylor Swift, both of them, on that team. Uh, and Swift, I think, is that's a dynasty league, me and Matt are in. Swift can totally be the Lions' top guy. He can catch. He can run. He can do everything. Um, so I'm excited to see Swift as the game, the season goes on. At this point in the season, I don't think Swift are giving him enough. I think they're going to ease him into it. I think Brian's got someone he will keep under contract next year with Swift. But this week, uh, I would favor my two running backs compared to his two. Receivers, Lockett and Judy. Judy is now the team number one with Sutton out. I don't love their quarterback play, so it's going to hurt Judy. And he's still trying to figure things out. Lockett, huge game, is on the table against Dallas. Godwin against Denver's defense. We'll see. You know, Godwin has many cooks in the kitchen, so he can go off for 30 or he can go off for 12. While Lockett, not as many weapons. I think Lockett, based on matchup, I think Lockett can have a better game. I'm going to take Keenan Allen over Judy just in the fact that, like I said, with the librarian out as quarterback and Justin Herbert in, he had 18 points. He overly doubled overly, over doubled over his performance against the Bengals, and he had Way more, 10 targets and seven catches, almost broke 100 yards. I think Allen will have a big game. I like, if I had combos, I like Allen and Godwin over Judy and Lockett. Like I said, Lockett could have a better game than Godwin, though. Tight ends, not even close. Even before this game tonight, I know Gasecki had a big game last week, but Gasecki might have a couple throughout the season. Waller is way better. I put Waller in the top three. Right now, if you gave me tight ends, I'm taking. Mark Andrews won, surprise, surprise, and then Kelsey possibly two, and then I would go Waller. I might even go Waller after these first two weeks over Kelsey because there's a lot of weapons in Kansas City more than there are in, in Las Vegas. I almost said it, but I didn't in Las Vegas. But Waller is up there. He is an elite tight end. Brian's got me on that one. That is, that's Brian needs to get Waller. He needs to get Lockett. And he needs to get Zeke to have some really big games to make up for the gaps with Jackson and Brady, with maybe Taylor and Swift, with Allen and Judy. And then right here, get to the flex. I'm not going to say, I mean, right now, obviously, McLaurin's like a third, 
third round to early fourth round pick in the draft, while Adams would be a late first round pick. Uh, after even getting hurt last week because of the monster game in week one, he's number three overall in PPR, and McLaurin is number 14. McLaurin had a good week one against Philly and then had an incredible week, an incredible week against Arizona. At Cleveland, I don't know. The Browns are uh, – I don't know if they're going to score as much as Arizona to force Washington to get in that kind of shootout to force targets, 10 targets, like they did last week against them, against uh, Arizona. Remember, when it was a slower, closer-paced game against Philly, he only had 11 points and five catches for 61 yards. We will see. I, of course, would prefer Adams, if he's healthy, on that Sunday night game against the Saints. Oh, oh, please, please be healthy, healthy Adams. He Without Adams, I would, I will start to get – I mean, I'm already nervous because Gusecki didn't have a great game, and Waller's going to double me up at least, at minimum. Um, but, yeah, I'm really hoping without Adams – you know, trading, having Barkley go down and then trading Sanders and Eckler when, you know, Barkley was still healthy, I was looking good because then I would have Barkley as opposed to Adams and then it would be Adams. And if Adams was out, I can pop in Keenan Allen. There's still so much talent, but now it's getting thin. If Adams goes out, who am I popping in? Singletary? I'm not excited. Will Fuller? Nope. I might even drop him soon. I don't trust him. Uh, yeah, so it's like... Maybe J.K. Dobbins. That would be my backup. I mean, think about it. If if Adams can't play Sunday night, my only other option, the only guy left is Dobbins, and we know he could go out and get a touchdown, or he could do nothing. You know, so that could be a big advantage for Brian. The fact that I don't know it's Sunday night and Adams is not looking good at this point. McLaurin though can still hold his own with Adams. And now quarterbacks. Finally, I'm taking Dak Prescott, regardless of the matchup. Regard Bridgewater is if. If Tyrod is the librarian, Bridgewater is the superintendent of the school. You know, he's the the Chalmers, principal uh, or superintendent Chalmers. He is so got talent, but at times kind of pulls it back and he just doesn't take all the shots he should. I mean, the big one he had week one to Robbie Anderson was because it was like a 20 yard and then the Raiders missed the play and Anderson was gone for 75 yards. So um, we'll see. I would definitely take Prescott. He was a top five pick in our draft. So obviously Prescott, who had 54, could do a similar performance again. And then it comes down to defense, which I don't like to talk about. We both have Smiths, who are good players. Titans at home against or at Minnesota. I think if they were at home, I would like them more this week. Titans, solid defense. Colts came off a monster game against the same Viking team. So maybe Tennessee does put the whooping on and gets 20-plus like they're projected. I really expect the Colts to go for 30 or more. They went for 39 last week against the Vikings. I can't see the Jets being better than the Vikings. So that would have to be a slight advantage for me. So going back and forth, it's, you know, you look at it and there's not, of all the three games we covered tonight, mine is the least advantages. There's a reason Brian's made the playoffs every year he's ever been in the league. He's got a really solid team. The only downside to Brian, I would say overall, is his quarterback play is not outstanding. It should have been. I expected Brady to be a top quarterback. You know, at 23 week one, I expected him to average about 25 points a game. He's got so many weapons. Maybe this is the week. He's had good games against Denver, but he's also had tough games against Denver in the past when he was with New England. But that's a big make or break for him. He's going to need Brady and Bridgewater to each get about 25 points. You can't have Prescott or Lamar Jackson, one of my quarterbacks, outscore Brady and Bridge. If Brady and Bridgewater don't combine to outscore at least 
one of my, you know, my quarterback, if, if one of mine outscore both of his, it's going to be a really, really, really tough sell for Brian's team to pull out the victory. So we will see, you know, based on that projection right now, it has me at about a 20 point, kind of like Steve and Eric. So Brian, Eric, and Austin are all looking for big comebacks and big projection over uh, overhauls to try to take back the victory. The mo- most needed, I think, is... I think Austin needs it the most. Losing McCaffrey, I know Eric lost Mostart, but Mostart will be back. Eric also has um, some matchups coming up soon that are not as intense as Austin's. And Austin, well, I can't even say, yeah, I'm going to say he has a harder division. The fact that he has Brian, who could be at 2-1, myself could be at 2-1, and and Jacob's already looking at possibly going to 3-0 and the top scoring team behind Kruger. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be tougher for him. I think Eric can still climb back in that. Uh, once they start getting non-division play, he can make some ground up there. So those are the games. Those are all the matchup, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed the Thursday night game better than I did because I did not enjoy it. And have a great Friday. Have a great Saturday. Be safe. And we will sure talk in the group text. All right? Thanks a lot. Bye.